Hello and welcome to Oh Mother Where Art Thou, the Barcelona-based podcast about life as a parent, what we do for fun and where to go for help. I'm Lucy, I'm your host and this is episode four. Coming up I have Ana Alvarez Aracalde, an incredible Argentinian artist who lives in Barcelona with her husband and three children. Her art offers an alternative perspective on motherhood and at home she chooses an alternative education for her children. In this episode I talk Talk to Anna about her art, her children, and her experiences of unschooling. Unschooling is also known as child-led learning or life learning. It's an alternative education at home which does not rely on any curriculum but is guided by the child's interests and experiences. For more information or to contact me, go straight to omotherbarcelona.com. So here's the interview. Welcome to Oh Mother Where Art Thou. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for inviting me, Lucy. I met you in a ceramics class with your two children, two youngest children, and you told me they didn't go to school. And I was fascinated from that moment, probably because I've been waiting to send Oscar to Petres. It interests me that someone was doing something that I hadn't really considered. I hadn't really even thought that that was an option. And ever since then, I've been wanting to find out so much more. Then we met and I found out you were also an incredible artist. And so it was important to me to get you in for the podcast so that I can learn as much as possible from you. So first of all, can you tell me a little bit about about you? Uh, I'm originally from Argentina. My family is composed by my husband, who is Jorge Rodriguez Gerada, who is also an artist and we have three children our eldest son is called Neuken he's 18 years old then we have uh, Mila who is 13 and uh, the little one is Alain and he's nine your eldest son is 18 can you tell me a little bit about what happened where you were when you had him we were living in New York at the time mm-hmm. uh, he was born there and uh, he was born with a severe neurological condition his life expectancy was supposed to be of two years old and uh, we are lucky he's he's 18 now we had very difficult times as you you can imagine especially when we received his diagnosis he was close to to be two he started having severe seizures which affected him as well so it it was very difficult but we had come along all this (laughs) all these years and he had taught us a lot of things so he's a a big inspiration for both my husband and me In in a personal level but also he influences our art no, he, he had changed our priorities completely and he had given us a different outlook in life. Wow, it must have been so difficult to have found that out about your first child. So you were in New York and you had a normal pregnancy? Yes, I did and I had a beautiful home birth but his condition is something that is genetic, it's something that uh, it, it happens, a chromosome has a little part of the chromosome is deleted mm-hmm. and that causes a huge amount of, of problems, no? like the cerebral cortex doesn't form in the way that normally does, so there's less neuronal surface and because of that there's less possibilities of doing things. So when you were pregnant did you know that that was going to happen or did it come when he was a young child? No, we we realized it when he was around eight months old Mm -hmm. 
and probably there was a bit of denial from our part, but also the the inexperience. No, you yeah. don't have another child to compare. And at that time, we realized that it was strange that he would not crawl or hold things for a long time, and it was even difficult for him to hold his his body upright. So he would hold his head for a bit, and he would roll from one place to the other one. But at that time, it was when it was more obvious yeah. the things he couldn't do. No, so we got his diagnosis, which is, is pretty severe. And we also got the news that he might pass away very soon. So that changed completely the way we look into into life. No, It was not important to take him to school at the time, because if you know that you know, you have a, a deadline. Yeah. You don't want to miss any opportunity to be with the person mm. you, you love, no? Yeah. So at that point, I, I, I decided that I was not going to go back to work. I was working in television and film production. And I decided that I wanted to be with, with my son as much as possible. And at the time also, I, I grabbed my camera because it was a way of like keeping me creative and also helping me to focus on my son's beauty, regardless of, of his many challenges. No, Taking photographs of him at the time, it was like making sure that my son was the same one that had the diagnosis from the baby, the pre-diagnosis. No, so it it was like a continuity. It was a continuity. It was the same son, so yeah. the same joy that I had when he was born, the same joy that I would feel when he was nursing. I, I still had to honor that same child, yeah. you know, even with with a different future that mm. what I would have expected, you know, which was painful because you're mourning everything that is not gonna happen. You know? Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and even you know, like silly things, like you know, I did not get married through the church, but at the time. I was like, oh, my son is never going to get married in yeah. the church. you know. But at the time, you're mourning all the possibilities that he's not going to have. He's not going to have the option of deciding if he would like to do something or not. So it's, it's very painful as a mother and as a father to come to terms with that, you know? like all, all the things that are, 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 are not going to be his decision. You know? mm. To have a baby and not not know the length of its life mm-hmm. and to not be thinking about everything that you're giving your child is for its future mm-hmm. it, and to be thinking much more in that moment must have been inspirational like you say but also like losing your baby almost. Mm-hmm. Well you, you realize how much of our privileges are being given for granted no like how many mothers today fear for their child's destiny and not because of a cerebral condition mm-hmm. no because of the impossibility of Placing them in a peaceful place, for example. Mm. No? So it, it, it makes you more aware of all the opportunities that we have by being able, by being living in a place that makes you feel more secure no? and give you some certainties. Yeah. So that's why you started your art. That's yeah. the inspiration that created Yeah. At, at the time, I didn't expect it to be doing art really you know what I was doing I was that was like my my little moment with my son and I was also doing some self-portraits but I was all the time with him and I I was not the most popular mom (laughs) in the playground so it was very hurtful to see other kids that were able to like enjoy and and walk around and so I did not want to to experience that that must have stopped you socializing with other mothers and feeling like you were part of a community there at that time it was difficult because I was also the first first one in my group of friends to become a mother mm-hmm. and I was the mother of a child 
with severe disabilities. So it, Which makes people awkward and makes people not know how to react. Yeah, and, and like that, because I I'm originally from Argentina, my family was not around and my husband's family either. So yeah, it was a very lonely experience. And I think in a way, that loneliness, most people that go through this might, might feel it. And sometimes in a way it's, it's healthy because you have to go through that process. No, Nobody can like save you from... The morning, essentially, yeah. 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 yeah, because of his uh, short life expectancy, we decided we were not going to have children because we, f- we felt that it was very difficult to let another son or daughter know yeah. that his brother was going to pass away. Or... So that made us feel that we we better ways. No? And, and mm. also our son needed us so much. He had so many seizures at, at the time that it was difficult to think that we could care for someone else. No? But then fi- when he was five years old, we were already living here in Barcelona and our daughter was born. And soon after, you know, we realized that our worry was was not very it's not warranted it, yeah it, it, it was not imp- it was not important it wasn't real because children are wiser than us and yeah, uh, siblings the love they have for for mm. each other is doesn't need, no? yeah and it doesn't need any kind of explanation mm. so and so you had your your daughter here yeah yeah in Barcelona was mm-hmm. it in a hospital or at home as well no the the three of our children were born at home wow and what was your reason to do it? Well, I felt I was not sick and I <laughs> felt that I didn't need to go to the hospital and yeah. I felt that it was a better environment for my children to to be born. I felt that it was something really nice to offer them to not feel that I'm going somewhere else to get a brother or a sister but they see the whole process so there's never separation yeah. they see how their brother or their sister are coming into the world so it's very natural first babies in the belly and then the babies out and oh, wow. and you don't need to explain much more because they have seen <laughs> how that happened so was your um your, your husband obviously and your and your son was he there yeah yeah when yeah you yeah and then wow. my daughter was also there when the little one was born so okay wow so three home births you briefly talked about what your day-to-day job is. Can you tell me what you and your husband do? Well, I mostly do photography, but I also do installation work. And uh, I try to talk about the same things that we are talking now through the art, you know, because I feel that also giving birth at home was a way of unschooling myself, you know, because we were not raised seeing birth as something powerful and something natural and something that our bodies are able to do. We grew up learning that birth was something to be feared, that birth was painful, that you have to, that you were going to be out of control and that you need somebody to teach you how to breathe or how to push and things that the body knows how to do naturally. We're mamas. Nobody tells a cow or a dog how to push or how to breathe. They do it. So why not? Why, why would not do the same things? No. So I feel that with my artwork, I'm doing the same things. I'm challenging these kind of concepts that we grew up and we, we let them be unrevised, no, in, in a way. So some of the, photographs that I've done also talk about motherhood and about my experience of my of mothering my three children plus having a late gestational loss and uh, how those experiences impact the person I, I, I have become no? yeah and uh, my husband does uh, murals and urban art and la- big big uh, urban landscapes yeah, he's a fantastic artist as well. So, yeah. Your work specifically for me is quite inspirational because 
I think that when you see one of your photos, you can read it in so many ways. Seeing the birth of your daughter, that's what it's called, isn't it? Mm -hmm. For me, the thing I see the most is your happiness and the massive smile on your face when you're clearly just, just given birth. You're holding your baby where your placenta is in front of you and you're sat on the floor. But you just look so ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me, it brings back memories of those moments with both of them where you have this amazing happiness, but you're you're clearly your body is just (laughs) destroyed. (laughs) How did you do? that logistically every night when i was going to bed i would have this image of like being with my baby attached through the umbilical cord and it was such a clear image and it was haunting you know like i would every night i would come up with the same image and one day i was like i have to do it you know i have at least i have tried to do it and i was not sure if it was possible but i i got the backdrop and i set it aside on one part of the house and and then the the birth was fantastic and it was exactly as I had envisioned it and I was able to do the photograph and at the time I didn't think that I was going to show it I thought it it was my need of like doing it Uh, but then when I saw the, the results, I saw them and I was like, this is amazing. I have to show this because I didn't grow up with this kind of images. And, mm-hmm. and it's important for young girls to see that birth can be this too. You know, it, it doesn't have to be painful, uh, horrible. You know, like, yeah, like you do have to be scared. It, it can be wonderful and, and it can be so empowering to feel that you are able to do it and that you can be happy and that you can be by yourself and that your body is amazing so and that you're able to to get into a yeah and little studio in your house and have a photo taken with a big smile on your face and and there's also this other aspect that uh, uh, culturally women are used to uh, hate their bodies and hate the way they look and like see always faults in ourselves you know we always there's always something that we want to change either the color of our hair or the wrinkles or the belly or (laughs) and and after going through that experience I, I was like I'm awesome you know my but it's great. I don't want to change anything. It works. It's fantastic. It allowed me to experience this. I'm, I can't be anything but grateful. Yeah, no. yeah. It's, it's an amazing image. It's a very powerful image. The motherhood art that you do is, I, you know, when you see a piece of art and you can never forget it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what your the birth of your daughter is like for me. And symbiosis. Symbiosis, yeah. Symbiosis, where you're breastfeeding your son. He's wearing a superhero outfit and you've got the superhero mask on. So I think that tells a lot of different things to different people. For me, it just made me feel like you've got to try to stop being superheroes. We've, we are his superheroes, but, we're, but we've got to stop, stop trying to do everything. It's sort of, that's what I read it as. What was the original thought behind that one? Yeah, for me, it's, it's not about the mothers being a superhero or the kids being superheroes, but uh, what is super powerful is the relationship that we establish. So I wanted to portray that, that basically what makes us special is like the respect and the love and the giving and the mutual learning, you know, not, not imposing our opinions, not imposing our ideas, but listening to each other and constructing that kind of respectful relationship yeah it's it's a powerful image and i was reading about it before and it had quite a big reaction didn't it it was published Mm. on the front of a magazine yeah it was published in the front of it was the cover of the hit mama magazine and it got censored because there was a nipple showing because my my son was breastfeeding really a nipple showing though was there but i kept looking at it yeah is there a nipple he's got got his hand on one and his mouth on another yeah you you can't see it 
but well, my breast is a bit exposed, and mm-hmm. even if I don't have big breasts, but <laughs> it seems that it was an offensive breast. <laughs> I can't believe it was considered offensive. Do you think it would be now? I, I think so, because even though there has been a bit more support on breastfeeding, there's not that much support either. Like the United States already uh, this year has punished certain nations by giving them less less uh, financial support because they have a policy of uh, supporting breastfeeding. And all the what? pharmaceutical companies that sell formula were putting pressure to the government so that would not happen. So I think specifically it happened in Ecuador. It came in the news recently, I think like a month ago. And so I I think that there's still a big issue with breastfeeding because it's free and it's better for your child and then you are not going to be consuming a lot of antibiotics that also Mm -hmm. these same pharmaceuticals are selling. So it's they put the blame on like showing the breast but the thing like you walk through the city and you can see breast everywhere you can see like the wonder yeah. bras being advertised and, and most, I know way sexier and, uh, and way more and that outrageous is, yeah and that is not censor no you see breast on television every time and those it's are not censor it? so it's, it's breastfeeding but but why who is breastfeeding bothering it might be something cultural as well yeah, you know yeah, like maybe. how but i think that the, the the capitalistic aspect of it you know it makes it even more difficult because if if the society would be like oh it's better for children so like we stop pushing formula every time you go to a doctor's visit they give yeah. you like the little bag and you know oh you know yeah. just so you're ready and you know if if all the, the kind of advice you would get would be like, you know, it's better for your baby, you are able to do it. How long did you breastfeed for? In total for 10 years, but with wow. three kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was the oldest you breastfed until? My youngest son was the one that breastfed for a longer time and he breastfed until he turned six. And that photograph, the photograph of symbiosis was like our bye-bye that time. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. A celebration. Yeah. And did he choose to finish? Yeah. We were talking about it and it was like every time less and less. Mm-hmm. And it was more looking for comfort and, you know, like a, a, a way of also sharing calm time, time together. After he started reading, he was like, oh, I, I, I got my calm time with a book. and <laughs> <laughs> reading my stories. You've started a project recently with your art. Can you tell me about it? Well, it's it's a project about breastfeeding, what I'm doing now. And it was supposed to be a very small project. I only wanted to photograph three or four women, but I got more than almost a hundred women writing to me. And some of them had like very unique stories in, in their breastfeeding experience. Mothers of twins and a woman who lost her baby and donated her milk to a milk bank Um, so I I felt that I still want to do my project it was in a way a project that had to do with ridiculizing the pressures that sometimes social media or being outside breastfeeding your child in a restaurant you know like societal pressure of like don't show your breast here but then when I started getting all these testimonies I felt that it's important to put that out as well and that more moms will be able to relate so when you're daughter got to the age where she was doing a lot more and wanting more from from you I suppose my son's three he needs mm-hmm. a lot of he needs a lot of attention and mm-hmm. input for himself at the moment at this age so when she got to that age were you thinking about school 
actually, we thought about school in the very beginning when we came to Barcelona with our son, but I visit different places and I didn't feel comfortable with any of them. I mean, the people that work in education, I think that they have good reasons to do it and they are very caring and very loving, but I didn't feel that our son would like benefit from it. Like I, I saw it more of a way of helping the parents to keep up with their lives than helping the children, like what really the children need. So we decided not to send our son to, to school. And then when our daughter was around three, we felt the same thing, you know, like nothing of what the system is suffering is something that she can benefit from. No, We see that the kids were doing great at home and it's not just being at home, you know, they are out in the world. They come yeah. to us when we work. And Where do you live? That's at the time saying. we were living in the Raval. Okay. But uh, then we lived for a few years in Pobleno and now we are in uh, close to Guinardo. Did you read at the time about unschooling or did you just, did it come naturally to you? It came naturally and then I started reading to make sure that I wasn't the only <laughs> crazy one <laughs> to think this way. And it was very relieving to see that there are many families that do this and the children come out perfectly fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you and your husband go to school? Yes, Normally. both of us. Yes, yeah. we, we both went. Were your experiences good or, or bad? I think like the experience of most, most people, you know, like you do it because you think that you have to do it and because people tell you that that's the way it is and you can change it. So yeah, that's but, but not like an outrageously bad experience or anything like that. It just came naturally to you to keep them at home. Well, I, I remember being in school and feeling bored and feeling that I wanted to get out and that I have so many fun things to do outside. I think that as children, we were also very wise and we were also realizing that we were being parked there. Mm. So people take care of you. You're not going to get harm. You might learn something, but what you're learning doesn't need to take that many years <laughs> and those many hours. <laughs> yeah. So, so your experience with your kids, do you think that the learning that they do is, is more sort of efficient almost? Like they, they, they because they're self-learning. Because yeah, because the, the, the basic thing is like when our eldest son was little, we got into a program that we were tr being trained to help him crawl. But our son didn't come here to crawl. So it didn't matter how many hours you did you invest in trying to make him crawl because his connections are not doing mm. it, no? And that's not his life purpose. And then we realized that with our daughter and with our eldest son, the same thing happens. You know, if you try to teach them something that they are not interested in learning, they are going to do it out of obligation and it's not helpful for them. You know, it's, and they, they might not do it to the best of their abilities and they don't pay because they're not in the mood. They do not pay it. attention and it's not helping them in any way. They are not going to use it because they don't need it. And that's why they don't want to learn it. Mm. But when you let the child tell you what they want to learn and ask you what they are interested in doing and they bring up their questions and, you know, they, they, they are mesmerized by something, they want to know how that works. That's why they try to open some things and yeah. see what, how they function no? mm -hmm. and um, so kids are curious they had always been curious but they have to have the purpose you know a, a little kid starts walking or crawling because they want to reach something and it's the same thing with knowledge they, they ask something or they want to see something because they want to reach that knowledge as well yeah it's far more natural organic way of learning mm -hmm. and it's what happens 
when they're at home at the weekends and it, it, the normal environment at home. Exactly. Um, at home and out in the world, because many yeah. questions don't come from being inside a little house with just your very uh, little yeah. family. Yeah. You know? Your little, little yeah. tiny world. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. you, you need to expose them to other experiences mm-hmm. like being in the woods, being in the park, being going to a, a museum, going like everything that can mesmerize them would bring up questions and would bring up interest. So if you give that kind of environment, kids will thrive. Yeah. We have to think also about that school is a very new kind of event. If you think about humanity, you know, it has schooling has like what, 200 years, you know, Mm -hmm. and started with the industrial revolution where we were thinking, humanity was thinking in terms of productivity and in terms of like, like a factory kind of of process, everything, including education. Yeah. Prepare people for the workforce. Exactly. Mm. And, and that's what so many hours sitting and being obedient no like if, if you look into la salle for example who was one of the priests that started with the concept of of schooling yeah. it was it was obedience it was order and control and uh, i don't know if those values apply to us today there are lots of new types of education in barcelona that, that's I think true that the, the recently the, there's so many mm-hmm. libre education there's mm-hmm. there's lots of different free education where where children can choose that's true because uh, society is changing so Mm. even what we are doing that now seems still strange it's not as strange as it used to be yeah (laughs) and it's not gonna be strange in the years to come because the 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 work we are the way we are learning and the way we are working is changing no with Mm. with internet with like the possibility of also being educated through through the the net no yeah i believe how out of date education is in general with technology it's like it's almost as if we're five years behind in education where we should be and it's like curriculums aren't updated quick enough learning has to be done in a different way the internet has created a new a new environment completely and it an education needs to be completely reshaped i think that is it it goes even beyond that because i think that what we are seeing now is the result of compulsory education but also of compulsive education where education has become a commodity and you need and and it it has become part of like the the economic market so it's it's like a never-ending process you are never complete when my grandparents were young they needed to finish primary school then my parents maybe secondary school then for us it was university nowadays university is not enough people have to keep paying for doctorates and masters and yeah. and and phds and it's like it's a never-ending process no so mm-hmm. we have to see and we should question as a society if if this amount of education is bringing happiness to us and purpose which mm-hmm. is the most important thing because as human beings i, I feel that we we need to have a sense of purpose and of contribution to to, to, to society yeah. no yeah. to the world mm-hmm. so if if that doesn't change and if that is not the priority of how what I'm doing is going to impact in a positive way my surroundings, then education mm. is meaningless. It doesn't matter how much, how many dates you can find in the internet or how yeah. many. It's, it's like, what do I do with all this knowledge? No? Yeah. What do I do with, with what I know, with what I learn? Because what I learned at school was very uh, like an average knowledge it, academically and artistically and everything. It didn't say to me, like you've got with your children, where you can constantly 
concentrate in and specialise on one thing until you know everything about it. It was just an just a little bit of everything that didn't really point me in any direction. I finished school not really knowing what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be. It was almost as if I'd lost the ability to find that path mm-hmm. and I needed to find it again. And I spent my whole 20s. I don't really think I have found it again, to mm-hmm. be honest. And, and that's something that with Oscar and Sam, it's something that I really want to help them, I suppose, in, in, and be able to find themselves. And I worry that the school institution can take away from that, like you were talking about with a purpose. I want them to feel there's a reason why they're there and it's or a reason why they're not there and be able to find the things that interest them the absolute most. My concern about school, my personal concern is that it, it sort of creates a blanket of children that are pretty much very similar to each other and in what they've learned. And I don't think that's necessarily for society a, a good a good outcome of education. Kids should be allowed to have a little bit more freedom. What do you think about the free education side of things? Do you think that if that was available to you in time, do you think you'd have put your kids, you might have put your kids in that? I don't know because when we moved to the to the little town, there were only seventeen kids in school, and at that time I thought like, oh, maybe this would be a good school, and and then I saw my children and, and they were like uh, dressed up and uh, climbing trees and like walking through the vegetable garden and reading and and I'm like they have to offer us a lot in order to lose this (laughs) to to give up the the outdoor side of things and uh, it's really lacking especially in schools yeah so I I think it's it's fantastic that there are options because my option might not be the best option for other parents and Mm -hmm. other families and other children so I think that as many possibilities that are out there the best thing that you can offer the children you know like you know your children more than anyone else find whatever you feel suits them better yeah I think that's really good advice can we talk a bit about practicalities in your day-to-day life what do you have to do as a parent when you're be present be present be alert like pay attention to what they they are intrigued by can you give me an example it happens to you every time probably you know like if your child wants to help in the kitchen because you're cooking no don't push them away include them in what you're doing explain tell them the names of each vegetable that you're cutting let them do it put a stool so they can reach the counter and let them do things kids want to be helpful they want to feel useful they want to learn so do that if they wonder about how a bridge was built look for information create a maquette a sculpture of that bridge that they are intrigued by you know my youngest son wanted to know how bridges were created my husband is an artist as well he does sculpture so they created a few bridges some like resembling the ones that were done as an arc with stones that there's no cement no glue anything involved but the, the stones get holding the arc mm-hmm. together just out of pressure well he learned about physics he learned about math he learned, learned about aesthetics he learned about art while doing that and he's creating a little project together you know kids yeah. will treasure that because you are involved in, in something that they want to know they are interested in that and because it's challenging to you too so you are involved more than if you are doing something that bores you out of your mind. Because if you have to play all day long with cars, it's like I played with cars when I was a kid as well. I don't want to do it again. But if you challenge me with something that it's challenging for both of us, it's fantastic. You know, yeah. we, we are all really learning. Yeah. And this is what unschooling is about, you know. Learning together. 
learning together and, and being able to share those mo- these moments, no? like taking responsibility of what it means to be present. So are you both with the kids all the time now or do you take it in turns, your husband and you, I mean? No, we, we take turns because sometimes we have to work outside the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there's always one of you with, with the kids ready to yeah, be yeah, with them. Yeah. What happens if one of the kids wants to do something and the other one wants to do something else? Well, it happens all the time. There's an age difference. My, yeah. my daughter from the, the one who is 13 doesn't want to do the same things as one that is nine but in the mornings each one of them do whatever they want to do mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon they have their activities with other children okay so, so you have a structure type thing to the day you sort of have a morning free education I suppose and I, then in uh-huh. the afternoon you have something a little bit more structured where they go to their groups yeah that's okay. true. And then once a month we meet with other uh, families from Coordinadora Catalana, the Familias Homeschoolers. And sometimes we also do workshops together, like uh, we, we do workshops in the museum or... So there's a ni- nice network of people that, yeah. that do things yeah. together as well. And yeah. so do the kids know other kids that are in their same position yeah, as well? Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah, that's quite good. So don't feel like they're the only people yeah. doing it this way. No, so there they are, have there are two many types of networks. Yeah. There are nice. many, many families. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Great. My son was in the summer holidays, has needed so much of my attention. I find that he's always asking me, Mummy, play with me, Mummy, play with me. And, and often I do, but I found in the summer holidays a lot that I'd say, Not now, Oscar, not now. Five minutes, ten minutes, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, making dinner, I've got to do this. And I felt like I've said that too much. How do you deal with the need for? I suppose attention for your children how do you deal with it when, especially when you've got two that are asking for I'm gonna try to go back to when they were younger because it's not something that is happening now yeah. that they are older no? but for example in that situation if they want to play and you're making dinner just involve them to make dinner with you you know just tell them like hey if you help me we will finish sooner and then maybe have some time to play mm-hmm. no? they were okay with that you know like they they said oh okay so we don't play with this but we play with something else we play with food in in this sense mm-hmm. no because for them it's not a difference working and playing can be the same thing you know yeah. we are the ones that work is serious and play is yeah. relaxing no but you can like do certain things that feel like a chore but you are doing them fun no? mm-hmm. uh, and and they are so hard though when but you're are in like so routine many, and you've got like so are, much to juggle I remember asking my daughter to hang the clothes to dry I remember that she dressed up to go and hang the clothes and I was like oh that's awesome you know I wish I could do that if I would do fun things to do the things that I don't like to do maybe they are not that difficult you know? yeah, yeah. and that's what the children can add to our perspective you know we see everything so serious so yeah uh, with 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 deadlines and yeah like 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 in a rush and like something that you don't want to do but you have to do it anyway and and sometimes you know like if you involve them you might learn something from them and you might you might find that it's not life doesn't have to be that hard you know that you don't need to prove yourself or like to uh to be get in on time exactly yeah the bath get to bed like i feel that pressure every night yeah you know every night and i and often i'm just saying you know you guys play because i'm in the kitchen and you're right i should just Mm. involve them way more and then on on the other hand uh, the the feeling that i have when 
that that can relate to what you are telling me. It was especially I would feel it when I would be away uh, from the house for a couple of days, or if I would be working like doing a photo session and they were not with me, and when I got home, you know, they had they have not seen me for like six eight hours. And those days I would feel that they were more demanding and it was like, why, you know, like I'm always with them. And, and then I realized that this is, they, they are not asking more. They are asking exactly what they need. And if you give that, then they don't need it. It's like if you need to fill a glass, you know, like you fill it and there's a certain point where there's no more water that can enter that glass. You know, it's, it's cover is to the top. It's the same thing with, with the kind of attention that they need. So, Sometimes if they are asking a lot of attention, it's not too much. It's exactly what they need. Just give it to them. Seriously, get in the floor. Look at their eyes. Like, don't be with the phone. Don't be distracted. Don't, don't multiple task. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my you do, you do what they ask you and then they are going to relax because they feel that you were there. You know, you, you were present. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it. It makes that's the mom I want to be. Yeah, but the thing is so like, hard. But it's it's not hard when you do it. It's hard because you think that it's gonna be never ending or that you are not gonna be on time with your other things, the, the other yeah. things that you have to do. But give it a try, you know, like do it and you're gonna realize that maybe three days are very demanding and the fourth day is like, oh look, he's playing by himself <laughs> or he's reading a book and, and because yeah. he knows you are there, because yeah. he knows that if he needs you, you are there. He doesn't have to call you a zillion times. Mm. What would you recommend to someone who does, like me, who sends their children to school but wants to approach the attitude, I suppose, of, of an unschooler, the, the leading self learning? What sort of advice would you do if, if someone was in my situation just be more present when you are with your child Mm -hmm. anything else that you can think of being more present and uh, listen listen a lot listen everything they say like see where their interest is uh, what kind of things are intriguing to them uh, what you can offer you know like um, maybe you see that they like certain things in the city or a certain area or um, they, they listen to certain music that resonates to them more than uh, than others no like offer them variety we have now a window uh, to the world through our screens mm. uh, you know, my children don't spend a lot of time on the computer, but it's a, a good window to show different it's possibilities, no? And uh, sometimes it's that, you know, like being able, like my daughter now, she never went to guitar classes, but during the summer she got the guitar and has learned a lot of songs through the internet using YouTube, no? And, wow. and she can play Leonard Cohen and she can play Bob Dylan and she can play... things that you know like I'm like why how she knows all this of course it's the music that we usually listen at home Mm -hmm. but uh, to keep the interest of being able to play them by themselves by by herself no yeah and that comes from like being in parties and seeing that it's fun to be able to play the guitar and entertain your friends no so yeah uh, and once that 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 intrigues them you know like maybe start asking like oh is any of my friends have a guitar that don't use maybe i can borrow it for a few months and see if really this is something that is worth getting or you know yeah so by being present and by listening 
you you can help your your child. So what does a normal day look like for you and your family? Well, I, I think that because of the kind of work we do, no day, there's not a normal day. Like nowadays I'm working on a, on a, new, on a new project. So I'm contacting people through email and I'm running around looking for the things I need in order to do this photo shoots I'm, I'm working on. And mm -hmm. so during these days, the children are helping me. And sometimes we go to do the shopping together or sometimes if I'm busy with the computer, they do their own stuff and we are sharing space, but they are doing more things on their own. That's during the mornings. And then during the afternoon, I'm totally available to whatever they need. And if they are doing something where they don't need me, then I can keep going on with my things. But the after lunch, uh, during these days, my pri priority is them. When I'm not working on a photo shoot, I usually spend more time with them in the morning because in the afternoon they already have their, their things. No? And then the same thing with my husband. It depends what kind of project he's doing. Sometimes like when we went to Morocco, we the whole family went there and um, so the children were involved also. They, you know, we go to the site where he works and while I'm doing some photographs they are like helping the volunteers to, to create the pieces that my husband is doing. So They must learn so much doing it. Yes, they, they do and they are free to participate participate or to do something else if they want. Now they are older, so they can do that. When they were very little, they would become friends with everybody that was involved in the project, and you would see them running around and playing and asking questions, and in a way they would practice their English when we were, for example, in Belfast or, or in the States. And, um, and sometimes it's like more quiet because us also work is not stable sometimes we go through times where there's no work and we're very worried so they also learn that <laughs> our profession uh, has these up, ups and downs yeah so every, every child learns what their parents don't yeah, worry so, so yeah. exactly so they they also learn that part so what are they studying at the moment oh well, my daughter at the moment? is is doing piano and she's doing french through Duolingo, piano in the conservatory. She wants to do this year aerial dance that she had done when she was a lot younger, but now she wants to go back to it. She's reading a lot. She just did a project to present to the group of, of unschooling families uh, about Morocco and about the experience that she had when she was there and talking about a little bit of everything, you know, the geographical situation of Morocco, like, and also the political aspects mm. that right now, well, it's, it's a dictatorship and there are a huge amount of people having a hard time with the government repressing their opinions. No? When she was very little, she was passionate about archaeology. Mm -hmm. So we started asking our friends if anyone knew somebody that had studied archaeology and that if we could interview that person. And at the time we were living in the countryside and there was a woman in the closest town who is an archaeologist and uh, she was working on an excavation on a church and she invited our daughter to be part of that excavation. Wow. So, you know, it, she spent a whole week uh, digging. In, At what age? Uh, she was seven. Wow. And... Um, My son's dream. <laughs> she, yeah, she wasn't... Uh, as many hours as everybody else, you know, mm -hmm. like, and at some point she would get tired and come to me and we would leave. And then the next day she would want it to go again and she would spend another little time and until her attention yeah. was satisfied, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
And this woman is also the mother of a girl a little bit older than my daughter, and they became friends. So it's like by by following their interests, you are not only satisfying one interest, but the other one too. You know, she got to socialize and she got a new friend through yeah. uh, following her passion for archaeology. You know? And is she still passionate? No, well, she she loves it. She's she watches a lot of documentaries on history and. Uh, um, older civilizations but lately she has been more intrigued by uh, the the environment and like climate change and the amount of garbage that is thrown in the oceans and so she started asking a lot of questions that had to do with these themes and uh, so we started asking friends if they knew anybody that worked either for Greenpeace or for any kind of environmental conscious group and we we got to meet a Brazilian woman who had worked for an environmental group and she's a biologist. So we interviewed her. We learned the kind of work that she was doing. My daughter was very intrigued also by, yeah. by all of that. And it's, it's a multidisciplinary and really important career. Really. But, you know, she's 13, so she might change and maybe yeah. tomorrow she's interested in something completely different. And, mm-hmm. and she loves music and she's pretty good at that, but she says that she doesn't want that to do that for a living so she's still trying to find her way what is important is to like support her in her search and your son what's he interested in the little one is interested right now in football more than anything else yeah. <laughs> I think that's, he's nine isn't he yeah <laughs> that's yeah. quite normal at nine, yeah I think. so but he's very intrigued by social problems he's the type of child that will see someone in the street sleeping in the street and and he would ask you know like why why he lives here why nobody cares where his family is at why nobody come to help him like what kind of things can we do to, you know to there's solve a really this? great group in Boston called Esperanza mm-hmm. and they go on a walk every every Friday and Saturday night around Bourne mm-hmm. and they take food and clothes and things to them every Friday and Saturday and mm-hmm. you can just volunteer you just have to volunteer your time or you can make the sandwiches and things that can go just but, yeah that's just that it's awesome to, to, to know about this yeah so. Esperanza is really good I did it myself because the, the regulars that do it regularly they mm-hmm. know the, the guys on the street they mm-hmm. know their background yeah, they yeah, speak yeah. to them and it, yeah. it really makes you think about homeless people in a very very different way yeah, yeah. No, definitely we we talk a lot about these situations mm. and we usually try also to talk to the people try to be of help if, mm. if it's possible but this is something that I notice like also he's very aware of when some comments are being racist or he points them out some time ago he got a book <laughs> that is a normal book that they, they give in school it seems which is called El Pirata Garrapata people here in Spain told me that they have read it when they were young and my son was like this book is very racist and I'm like why are you saying that and he's like because everybody has a name and a last name but when they talk about the Chinese is the Chinese like no name they mock at him no they make believe that he can't speak Spanish they make believe that he's not prepared as anybody else in the book he, it surprises me that he That's can what he's taken from when the he story. was yeah. and that was when he was seven and I'm yeah. like this is it's really good that he's able to see this because yeah. that's empathy. Yeah, empathy. I mean, he must have that stemmed from his brother as well. I mean, I, I've seen mm-hmm. so many pictures with him mm-hmm. and his brother. He seems like mm-hmm. they have a really good bond. Yeah. What's it like having your eldest son? Does he interact with you? Yes, he... Well, we are so used to be with him 
that we know exactly what he needs. He follows us with his side and when the kids were younger and like if they were babies and they would cry and stuff, he would look at me like, hey mom, what's going on? No. But uh, he doesn't talk and he doesn't communicate in a, in another way. So you're okay, you're a carer at home as well? Yeah. Yeah. There must be barriers and things that it brings up for you as a family. Well, I, I think not really. It's, yeah, maybe it's more difficult to like cross the river when you are carrying the wheelchair, but you still cross the river, you know. Yeah. You still go for a walk. You still take yeah. the, the whole family to the woods. So you still yeah, do I the same, that. you know, you might not be able to do climb the top of the mountain, but you are close. Still having the experience. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we have not had support you know we are not uh, wealthy yet mm-hmm. we have not had I like anybody that yet. I'm gonna add that. yes <laughs> yes we're working hard yeah. so and I don't mean wealthy in a, like a luxurious yeah. way you know but maybe one day we need more support maybe one day we need somebody to help us carry our son mm. and it would be nice to think that one day we would be there you know that if we need it we would have it no mm. and uh, so it's not this li- kind of lifestyle you know like I, I I can be very aware of my privileges in terms of health, in terms of uh, being white enough to uh, not have problems in certain places. You know, those are my privileges. But uh, choosing unschooling has never has never come from being wealthy or having a privileged situation. And I want to make that clear because that's something that usually people say like, oh, if I could do it, you know, if I could allow myself to do it, like thinking like, you know, you are some kind of movie star that has mm. uh, the, the life res- resolve. And, and of course, our kind of work allow us to spend time with our children. Yeah, being working from home I think yeah. is, is a big kind yeah. of factor, isn't it? But it has also been a decision that we made after after our eldest son was born and we didn't want to take him to an institution at the time I was working and I decided not to go back to work and by deciding that you are deciding to be more poor basically (laughs) so you know I want to give value to the the courage that involves in terms of economic uh, terms no that that takes to 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 make this kind of decision no? yeah it's a life choice it's it's in so many levels no because when you decide that you're going to earn less you're also going to have to spend less or you're going to have to mm. be more conscious about what you really need one of the things that when we talk about what they do your kids one of the things i notice is that that they have an understanding of of, of so many different people old young big small you know and, and it's and all languages all different cultures already because they're not subjected to just one group all the time mm-hmm. they have a variety like they're going to your work they're going to mm-hmm. schools they're going to different groups all the time mm-hmm. I mean I know by 13 I'm sure Oscar and Sam will be going to different groups but I imagine the norm is to do it with your school friends yeah that's something that sometimes uh, people question about uh, unschooling families because they say like oh but how they would socialize but the thing is like what most people don't realize is yeah sometimes school children are being socialized but only to their small group Mm. and there's no different realities no and when kids are not in school they are more exposed to different kind of socialization with their brother they are socializing also with people with disabilities Mm -hmm. because they they are part of the hospital visits they get to socialize with older people and with people that are being going through different kind of treatments and they get to learn that reality as well you know Mm. that you don't learn that in school Mm. for the most part you know you are not exposed to to that kind of of hardship no and 
And on the other hand, they are socializing also with adults and people that are working. All these kind of things is like it happens daily, you know. So, and in terms of other children as well, because they, they're, as their interests are changing every year, the kind of groups that they, they are part of, uh, the people change. It's, it's, it's also adding a, a, a variety, you know. So the kind of experiences that they've had, I think that they, they have been exposed to, to plenty of socialization. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have there been moments where where you've thought, wow, this is really working? You know, all where, the time. <laughs> yeah, because for me, I can imagine all of a sudden they'll read you something or, or all the time. Work. Because when when they were very little and they started to read, they started reading when they were quite young. And it was just walking through the streets and seeing the signs in the stores and wanting to know what kind, what, what did it say there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and they learn through connections and associations. So if you pay attention to what they are trying to do, you know, maybe the answer at some things that you might ask is wrong, but their association is right. So it's trying to understand how a child thinks and what kind of association they are doing. You know? Yeah. And now when they are older, it's, that kind of, of feeling of like, wow, this this is working. I, I'm getting them with my daughter, for example. She's 13 now, and sometimes she's making a critique on society that I'm like, you know, she's aware of these things. Yeah. You know, she, she's she's paying attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful to see it. And I see so many parents like being afraid of teenage years, and I'm finding them completely amazing don't speak too soon <laughs> it's very early well, <laughs> for but, girls but, yeah but it's, it's not because you see you see the changes you see, you see the differences yeah do you trust yeah you trust her decisions do you trust the way that she yeah. makes yeah because choices? i you know i i didn't lose any moment with her i have been with her for 13 years i know my daughter I, I, you know, it's not like I see her when she comes tired from school, grumpy because she was sitting in a place where she didn't want to, to be and she locks herself into the room, you know, like we used to live in a very tiny apartment and we were mostly together when we were at home because of lack of space now we're in a bigger space and we're still together you know sometimes it's like oh but you have your room you know you have to remind them because they are comfortable sharing what they are doing with us so of course I trust her I know her I obviously I know you don't grade or test Mm -hmm. do you think that when you go through life unschooling do you see little things that make you realize he understands that he can read he can do maths he can do this it's it's almost like grading and testing in your own met in your own mind do you feel that that happens you know what's funny it's like i i, I saw it uh, last year with my daughter because she's in contact with other children that are being mm-hmm. school uh, sometimes she was helping other children do their homework because as she doesn't has homework when she goes to music class and they have to wait the children are doing their homework and she's helping so she realizes that she knows yeah, she what? can p- compare herself. Yeah, yeah, she knows that she knows. <laughs> well, that makes the must make her happy. Yeah, and you. And, uh, and then one day she came saying like, oh, I don't know what are equations. And my friend is doing equations. And I'm like, well, you know, like, if you want, we can see in internet. And we, we found this place, which is called Khan Academy, which is a, a way of learning through the internet yeah. that is free to the public. It was started by a, a Pakistani guy. So she spent like three months doing equations <laughs> because she just didn't want to be behind yeah. her friends. But it was her own interest. At no point I said like, oh, you have to do I equations. I bet she learned them better than I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and and she was like, oh, this is fun. This reminds me of when I was helping my grandfather doing sudokus. And they were like, you know, fantastic. She finds it fun. It's it's awesome. You must so, be like you, crazy little girl. <laughs> I, I, I just laugh because I, I I realized that if somebody says like, oh, don't read this or oh, don't look at this, you the first thing you're gonna do is like look at that because mm. it's intriguing, no? Yeah. So it's it's fantastic that by not pushing them to do something that they would hate just because it's an obligation, they love to do it. They might not love to do everything, you know, like maybe at one point certain things are not interesting to to them. Like, for example, in the morphological analysis of sentences in grammar, you know, I explained to them once what was that about. And my daughter was like, oh, but when are you going to use this? And I'm like, never. But if you want to become a literature professor, you might need to know this. And if you want to become a, a language teacher, you would need to know this. And she's like, well, if I decide to become that, I would learn it. And I'm like, exactly. That's how it works. Yeah. So learning for need rather. They, they rather know what it is. It's not something that sounds weird to them yeah. because we talk about it. So they know that that exists, mm-hmm. but they don't become experts. They, they, they have not become experts on that. The language side of things brings up a question that I suppose is one of my personal reasons why I don't think I can unschool because I don't think I can give languages to my children that they need here in Spain so Catalan and Spanish I can't give that to them at home that's sort of really holding me back I feel that I'd be doing him a disservice not allowing him the immersion that he would get that he gets going to school or groups or anything. Mm. How did it work for you? What language do you speak at home? Uh, nowadays, Spanish. When they were younger, we would speak English. So they speak fluent English and Spanish, and they learn Catalan going to chorus. Choirs. 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 <laughs> yeah, okay. So they've learned Catalan through singing. Yeah. Amazing. And, and have they studied it, like, out of choice? No, they never study Catalan, but they go to music class and the music classes are given in Catalan and their friends speak Catalan and Spanish, but mostly Catalan. And they have full understanding? Yes, and then when they go to the library, they take books in Catalan. And so, How's your Catalan? Uh, I can understand it perfectly. I speak a little bit, but I'm pretty much embarrassed by, by my pronunciation. <laughs> what, so. about, what about do your kids show you up? Are they better than you? Yeah, they are a lot better than me. They just speak. Yes, they they speak fluently and they correct me. When we are in the car, I try to speak Catalan to them so I can learn more because I'm not exposed to Catalan as much as they are. And uh, they are like, you can keep doing it in the car, but not outside. (laughs) (laughs) They know what you do, (laughs) Mary. I can see this coming. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not been an issue at all. I mean, my daughter started going to to these singing classes when she was four. And it was only on Saturdays. And she, by, by the time that Christmas came, she knew all the Biancicos in Catalan. You know? Wow. <laughs> so, That's yeah, maybe really she good. didn't speak as fluent as a Catalan kid that speaks Catalan yeah, at yeah. home. But, you know, that was not either an expectation. I yeah. just wanted her to be exposed to the language and to the other friends. Yeah. And to the to the singing lessons. Gosh, I don't so. need to worry about him, do I? <laughs> I don't need to worry about his language in school. Crikey. Do you have any methods of discipline in your house? We just talk whenever, you know, like if I find that something that they are doing is not being respectful, I 
get serious and I talk about that. I don't want you to treat me like that because I don't treat you like that and I don't deserve it. And I want you do something as well? Sometimes when, especially when they argue between them and, you know, like any brother or sister, mm-hmm. uh, they start screaming or they start running after each other and stuff. I, and I scream. Then I say like, I'm sorry, I scream, but I want this to stop. No? And if I'm nervous and I scream a little bit more, then I apologize, you know, because I don't like to be, to do that. So but you apologize to them and they apologize to you? Yeah, like I can apologize and to you. And what about when they were younger? Like Same thing. It never changed, you know, like if I do something wrong, of you course I apologize. Any timeouts or anything never. like that? I never did timeouts. My husband had done once because they were hitting each other. So yeah. they separate them and I'm like, he was like, and I'm like, I don't like timeouts. <laughs> <laughs> it's so different, you know, yeah. it, it, this is why I've done this podcast, mm-hmm. to meet people that live completely differently to me mm-hmm. because I'm just doing what I can, you know, mm-hmm. it's my first time doing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning and you read online, how do mm-hmm. you deal with a child who's, I don't know, hitting his brother or yeah. spitting or something. And it says timeout, a warning and then a timeout. And yeah. that's what how you learn. Yeah. And, and until you speak to someone who's mm-hmm. doing it in an alternative mm-hmm. way, it's very hard to know what else you could do. I suppose I need to do less of the timeouts and more of the talking. <laughs> For me, it's like, how would you resolve a conflict between adults? Would you like Time tell out, them timeout? It's like, <laughs> you would not do that to me. So why would you do it to you, your child? You know, it's like, if you treat them with respect and if you say like, I want to talk to them as they can understand, they can understand these things as well you know like and if you can say like how do you feel if i hit you and they will be like i don't want you to hit me you know because nobody likes Mm. to be hit so they would feel what their brother is feeling Mm. so for the most part whenever a difficult situation arises, i think like how would i deal if this was something that is happening between my husband and me or between my sister and me or between what would you do if daddy and i ran around the house screaming and hitting each other <laughs> no i don't ask them eh? i ask i ask me i yeah. ask like okay if if i have this conflict with an adult how would i react like would i send them to time out would i like put them looking at the wall for an hour <laughs> like you know like it's like the disciplinary methods that have been used with us are things that you would never do to an adult so if you don't do that to an adult why are you doing that to a child who has less experience mm. is in a and is in a weaker yeah and is in a weaker position so you're like you know exercising your adult power which yeah. that's that's I something that do. I don't I don't like to do I don't like people to impose their power on me and I don't want to be imposing my power onto someone else yeah I've got a question that I got from a school teacher and mum who asked, why do unschooling and homeschooling families deprive their children of the amazing experience of school? I don't feel that I'm, I'm depriving my children from school because we are asking them every year if they want to go. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they say that they don't want to go is mostly based not on our perception of school, but on their friends' perception of school. Because every time that they say like they don't go to school, the response that they get is like, oh, you are so lucky. Oh, how can you? You know, I wish I could do the same. Mm. And uh, so the, the 
the really bad advertising of school comes from the children that are in school. And schooling is not for everybody. Mm. So maybe your child loves school and maybe he loves it during his whole life. Mm. And maybe it's like the woman that asked me the question, you know, yeah. if it worked for her, I'm glad for that. She got what so she you needed. you don't think it's one solution for everyone? I don't think it's one solution for everyone, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think, in my opinion, like the best kind of school would be a free school literally a free school a free school like a public library you know yeah. really in, the, in the, the the sense that you can go whenever you need to and leave and you can leave whenever you need to and you don't have to ask permission or apologize or like make excuses or like feel that you can't do it because mm. you're part of a system that once that you're in you can get out you know has it ever come to you to to change or to stop have you ever thought mm, i think they might need school now well every year because every year we ask them if they want to go to school or they want to keep doing it this way. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we always question if it's the best option. Have but they ever said anything other than... My daughter says that maybe next year she would like to go, which I think it's a very reasonable decision. It's, uh, Why? Why does she want to go next year? Well, she wants to go to university and it would be a good way of like experiencing academic learning and uh, so it might be good and I that would be to, to do her essays the, yeah. the exams at exactly. 16 yeah, yeah? So she wants to go in and work towards those yeah and she's made that decision yes she says she still says she's not that clear that she would like to go but she she's pondering the idea yeah and when you think about that, what do you think? Are you, does it make you nervous, worried? Do you, you no, think she'll not be... at all, because already, you know, she's she's going to be 14, almost 15 at the time. I think it's perfect, you know, she's she's already almost an adult, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, so if, if... And I also trust the fact that if you decide to do something once that you have all the options and you have a reason why you're doing it, she wants to do it because she wants to go to university. That's a, an awesome reason to go to school because you know that what you're going to be learning is helpful it's different to feel that you're doing because you have to do it because that's the only way do you ever worry about anything for the future no i trust them i know that they can become whoever they want to become and i will be there to support them and if it's not me it's my husband and if we are not around for whatever reason there's extended family and they have already so much love and and they, they, oh. they have so they know so much of how the world works that you know like and are you um, I don't know I, make I, me, you give me confidence in my own choices mm-hmm. because I don't know just talking to you makes me feel like I need to trust my own instincts more mm. and trust myself and my children and what they say and and it, it shouldn't be about this is what society says we have to do now and so we're gonna do it and I it just we should just really trust in our own environment and our own instincts inspiring thank you very much Hannah (laughs) it's been really good thank you so much for coming thanks Lucy that was the interview thank you so much for listening if you are interested in this type of learning there are organizations that can help with information and legality all the links can be found on omotherbarcelona.com I hope you enjoyed it and if you did subscribe on iTunes for all future episodes follow us and get involved on Instagram and Facebook at omotherbarcelona and again thanks so much for listening I hope you have a wonderful day